Section 30 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. Mammals. By Charles Lewis Cornish, Editor. Chapter 9. The Rodents, or Gnawing Animals. The rodents, or gnawing mammals, have all the same general type of teeth, from which the order receives its distinctive name. There are a very large number of families and of genera among the rodents, more than in any other order of mammals. All the rodents possess a pair of long, chisel-shaped incisor teeth in each jaw. The ends of these teeth are worn into a sharp edge which cuts like a steel tool. In most rodents, these are the only teeth in that part of the jaw, a wide gap intervening between them and the other teeth. The hares, rabbits, and calling hares have a minute pair of teeth set just behind the large pair in the upper jaw. The grinding teeth are set far back and are never more than six in number, these being sometimes reduced to four. Rodents generally have five toes on the forefeet. In the hind feet there are some cases of only four or even three. None of the species are of great size. The largest, the capybara, a water-living animal of South America, is about the dimensions of a small pig. But the number of species of small rodents is prodigious, and their fecundity so great that they constantly increase in favorable seasons until they become a plague. Voles, lemmings, field mice, and rabbits are constant sources of loss to agriculture in their seasons of extraordinary increase. Most rodents feed on vegetables, though rats and mice have developed carnivorous tastes. No rodents have canine teeth. The squirrels. Those of the order of gnawing animals which have only two incisors in each jaw, and no rudimentary teeth like those possessed by the hares, are called simple-toothed rodents. Of those the family usually placed first in order is that of the squirrels and their allies. The true squirrels and marmots have five molar teeth on each side of the upper jaw. Squirrels are found in nearly every temperate part of the globe, from Norway to Japan, and in very great numbers in India and the tropics. Everywhere they are favorites, and though they do some mischief in highly cultivated countries, they are almost the most harmless of creatures. Most of them live on wild nuts and the kernels of fruit. They suck eggs occasionally, and in Canada will come to the traps in extreme cold and eat the meat with which they are baited. The Red Squirrel This, the common squirrel of England, is representative of the whole order. In old Scandinavian regions, the squirrel is represented as the messenger of the gods, who carried the news of what was going on in the world to the other animals. Together with its close relations, it is the most graceful of all climbers of trees. With its long tail waving behind it, it races up or down the trunks and across the forest from branch to branch as easily as a horse gallops across a plain. It will descend the trunk head downwards as fast as it runs up. Squirrels pair for life and are most affectionate little creatures, always playing or doing gymnastics together. The squirrel builds a very good house, in which he shows himself far more sensible than the monkeys and apes. It is made of leaves, moss, and sticks. The sticks come first as a platform, then it is carpeted and a roof put on. No one who has seen English squirrels at work house-building has ever described exactly how they do it. It is the best nest made by any mammal thoroughly well fitted together and waterproof. In this nest, the young squirrels are born in the month of June. 
that year they keep with their parents and do not set up for themselves till the next spring the red color is very persistent in squirrels one chinese variety black and red has even bright red teeth in cold countries the red squirrels make stores of food but spend much of the winter asleep it is a great pity that in england no one tries to tame the squirrels as they do in america there they are the greatest ornament of the parks of cities coming down to be fed as tamely as our sparrows the writer has known one instance in which a lady induced wild squirrels to pay daily visits to her bedroom for food they used to climb up the ivy and jump in at the open window the great enemies of squirrels near houses are the cats which kill all the young ones when they first come down from the trees in a garden in berkshire a pair of squirrels had a family every summer for five years but none ever survived the cat's persistent attacks the squirrels were most amusing and improvident they used to hide horse chestnuts small potatoes kernels of stone fruit bulbs of crocuses and other treasures in all kinds of places and then forget them after deep snows they might be seen scampering about looking into every hole and crevice to see whether that happened to be the place where they had hidden something useful much of the store was buried among the roots of trees and bushes, and quite hidden when the snow fell. THE GRAY SQUIRREL In northern Europe and across northern Asia and America, a large gray squirrel is found. From its fur the squirrel cloaks are made. These squirrels live mainly on the seeds of pines in winter, and on wild fruits, shoots, and berries in summer. It has been noticed that they will entirely forsake some great area of forest for a year or two, and then suddenly return to it. The marten and the sable are the great enemies of the gray squirrel, but the eagle owl and goose hawk also kill numbers of them. In many countries the flesh of the squirrel is eaten. The gray and black squirrel of the United States was thus described some sixty years ago. It rises with the sun and continues industriously engaged in the search for food for four or five hours every morning. During the warm weather of spring it prepares its nest on the branch of a tree constructing it first of dried sticks, which it breaks off, or, if these are not at hand, of green twigs as thick as a finger, which it gnaws off from the boughs. These it lays in the fork of a tree, so as to make a framework. It lines this framework with leaves, and over these again it spreads moss. In making the nest, the pair is usually engaged for several days, spending an hour in the morning hard at work. The noise they make in cutting the sticks and carrying material is heard at some distance. In winter they reside entirely in the holes of trees, where their young are in most cases born. Green corn and young wheat suffer greatly from their depredations, and a wholesale war of destruction used to be waged against them everywhere. In Pennsylvania an old law offered threepence a head from the public treasury for every squirrel destroyed and in 1749 the enormous sum of 8,000 pounds was paid out of the public funds for this purpose. In those days vast migrations of these squirrels used to take place, exciting not only the wonder but the fear of the old settlers. In the far northwest multitudes of squirrels used to congregate in different districts, forming scattered bands which all moved in an easterly direction, gathering into larger bodies as they went. Neither mountains nor rivers stopped them. On they came, a devouring army laying waste the corn and wheat fields until guns, cats, hawks, foxes, and owls destroyed them. The Flying Squirrels One of the finest squirrels is the Taguan, a large squirrel of India, Ceylon, and the Malacca forests. 
It is a flying squirrel, with a body two feet long and a bushy tail of the same length. Being nocturnal, it is not often seen, but when it leaps it unfolds a flap of skin on either side, which is stretched, like a sail, when the fore and hind limbs are extended in the act of leaping. It then forms a parachute. The color of this squirrel is gray, brown, and pale chestnut. There are a number of different flying squirrels in China, Formosa, and Japan, and in the forests of Central America. One small flying squirrel, the Palatouche, is found in northeast Russia and in Siberia. It flies from tree to tree with immense bounds, assisted by the floats on its sides. Though only six inches long, it can cover distances of 30 feet and more without difficulty. Wherever there are birch forests, this little squirrel is found. One nearly as small is a native of the southern states of America, ranging as far south as Guatemala. In Africa, south of the Sahara, the place of the oriental flying squirrel is taken by a separate family. They have a different arrangement of the parachute from that of the flying squirrels of India. This wide fold of skin is supported in the Asiatic squirrels by a cartilage extending from the wrist. In the South American flying squirrels, this support springs from the elbow, not from the wrist. They have also horny plates on the underside of the tail. Many of the tropical flying squirrels are quite large animals, some being as large as a small cat. Mr. W. H. Adams says of Pell's flying squirrel, a West African species, These squirrels came out of their holes in the trees some hours after sunset, and returned long before daybreak. They are only visible on bright, moonlit nights. The natives say that they do not come out of their holes at all in stormy weather, or on very dark nights. They live on berries and fruits, being especially fond of the palm oil nut, which they take to their nests to peel and eat. They pass from tree to tree with great rapidity, usually choosing to jump from a higher branch to a lower one, and then climbing up again to make a fresh start. They litter about twice a year, once in September. The young remain in the nest for about nine weeks, during which they are fed by the old ones on such foods as shoots and kernels. They do not attempt to jump or fly till the end of that period, extending the length of their jumps with their growth. The Ethiopian spiny squirrels have coarse spiny fur. The little Indian palm squirrel is marked with longitudinal, dark and light stripes on the back. Others have light bands on their flanks. The ground squirrels. Many tree-living squirrels pass a good deal of their time on the ground, but there are others which burrow like mice and, though they climb admirably, prefer to make their nest, and the regular squirrels a store of nuts, in the earth and not in the branches. The best known is the little chipmunk of the United States, the favorite pet of all American children. There are many kinds of chipmunks, all of which have pouches in their cheeks for carrying food. The commonest is the striped chipmunk. It is from 8 to 10 inches long, with white stripes bordered with dark brown on each side. The chipmunk's hordes of grain and nuts are so large that the Indians used to rob them in times of scarcity. There is also a ground squirrel in northern Europe and northern Asia, with much the same habits as the chipmunk. The burrows of the chipmunks are deep and extensive, and into them these rodents convey such quantities of grain and maize as to inflict considerable loss on the farmer. The Siberian ground squirrel has been known to conceal over eight pounds of corn in its hole. This has a sleeping chamber at the end, filled with moss and leaves, in which the family sleep. From this side passages are dug, all leading to chambers stocked with food, often far in excess of the wants of these provident little creatures. 
The surplus stores are said to be eaten in the spring by wild boars and bears. End of section 30